All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and special edition, a special winning edition of Kente Corner today after the Big East Tournament. This is such an incredible occasion. I'm glad everyone's listening. Georgetown, the eight seed, knocked off the number nine seed Marquette, 68 to 49 in a game that really wasn't competitive after the first couple of minutes. Javon Blair led the Hoyas off, off the bench, off the bench with 20 points. Kudus Wahab had 19. Georgetown's energy um, was just everywhere. Marquette looked like a team that was just tired of playing this season. I'm here with Marcus Washington for making the cut, and I'm here with Florida Hoya, John Hawks, casual Hoya contributor, podcast, and message board legend himself. John, I'll go to you since I know you're a very long-suffering Hoyas fan. What a game! What Bobby, what is a message board legend? I feel like you're known for your Kenner League recaps. I feel like you did a great job with that. That's it's been a long time, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, by the way, happy uh 14th anniversary of the 07 Big East final. Um, this game was exactly like that if you only look at the score and do some addition and subtraction. That's very true. <laughs> and, and I should say, okay, Patrick Ewing gets his first win. As Georgetown's coach in the Big East tournament, he was nine and one as a player. Now he's one and three as a coach. Big win for him, and you know, great job for both. I didn't mention Jamarco Pickett yet, but both Pickett and Blair get their first win going to New York. Obviously, it's a different scenario. Not a lot of fans there, or really almost any fans there. They avoided, you know, fan favorite Jake and Mosley. Unfortunately, did not get a win. Everyone still loves him. He was unable to get a win in the Big East tournament, but you know, both Jamarco and Javon did. Marcus, I know you're usually at the Big East tournament with me. What'd you think? Well, I thought it was a good win. It's important for Patrick to get that kind of monkey off his back um, to get that first Big East win. And even though it wasn't pretty at times, Georgetown was very good in the lane. They're obviously dominant on the boards, and that was the sort of effort they needed um, against Marquette. On top of that, I know you guys had to have in the back of your mind, even when they raced out and was up by 18 points, it probably did creep in like, oh, goodness, let's not give this one back. <laughs> Had I checked the line and uh, like the play-by-play from the previous meeting and saw exactly when Marquette made their comeback from after being down 16 and a half, maybe. <laughs> the way the game went shows you the difference between the pre-COVID pause and the post-COVID pause, right? Because we saw them do this to Marquette. We saw them do this to Villanova, who, by the way, is waiting tomorrow at noon. And for the Georgetown to just say, hey, look, we don't we don't give up those big leads anymore. We're different. We have we have belay. We have steals. Although I want to say on the broadcast, Ewing right afterwards in FS1 called him Bile, which I like because I make that mistake all the time. So I'm human. He's human. It's great. But don't you feel like this was the perfect encapsulation of the new Georgetown team that we've seen since whenever that pause ended? Maybe. Um, Maybe. They, look, they, <laughs> they, 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 still, they still got just a tiny bit loose in the final five minutes. Um, you know, to be honest, um, if you're talking, if you want me to talk about like just trends of why this game might have been different, um, I think you are right. The energy was absolutely there the entire game. Um, that was something I was looking for. You know, when you're, you're playing an 8-9 game where neither team, if, unless they win this tournament, which seems really, it's, it's a big dream. Um, both teams, you know, a lot of the games is going to be decided straight up on, does anybody care to be here or not? 
Um, but it was very clear just by the effort that that wasn't going to be an issue for, for Georgetown. Um, so that, that, that probably was the most important thing from Georgetown's side. Probably worth acknowledging that Theo John was clearly injured and was basically a non-factor. Um, Dawson Garcia, basically a non-factor um, because of foul trouble. And he might have almost tried to get going there early in the second half. And DJ Carton, I mean, that's the one thing Georgetown did kind of shut down. He had okay numbers, but he had them in like very short spurts. So there was never like a sustained Marquette run. And nobody at Marquette really went off with any purpose. So, I mean, you know, those kind of things combined, yes, Georgetown did some of it with effort, but yeah, I don't know. Marquette just didn't have the pieces today. Honestly, I don't think Marquette really cared all that much, to be honest. But, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can win ugly. It still counts. Marcus, if I told you before yeah. the game mm-hmm. that Pickett and Belay were going to combine for go three for 20, what would you put the odds of Georgetown winning at? Probably at about 5%. In fact, if you want to throw in Harris, they were combined a 5 for 30 shooting from the field. And I think um, it's safe to say had this happened, uh, the pre-COVID break, Georgetown would have probably lost by double digits no matter who they played. But today there was something about their defense, and you can say Marquette did miss some open shots, but it was something about their defense that made Marquette just a little bit off kilter. And you saw it throughout. At times, they rushed shots. At times, it was a bad break. Remember when they had gotten it down to 13, they had the open three that looked like it was halfway down and yeah. came out. It just seems like when things were going bad for George, they were, oh, that's definitely going in. <laughs> you know, so they got a little bit of a break today. But just offensively, being able to overcome um, not only the poor shooting, but some of the poor shot selection. Some of the, the shot selection – was wasn't very good and they were able to overcome it they hit the boards they kind of moved the ball in spurts that got guys open shots and like i said the defense did enough especially in the first half did it seem like to you marcus you know it seemed like georgetown did a pretty decent job covering and helping on the perimeter and a lot of times especially in the first half it felt like marquette passed up a lot of semi-open perimeter shots it turned into drive that went nowhere. Yeah, and in the second half, I thought that when they were trying to come back, that Georgetown at times did run Marquette off the line pretty good. And uh, that's always something near and dear to my heart when I'm coaching in this era is not only being able to run off the line, run off the line in control and run the right guy off the line. You just don't run anybody off the line. Run the right guy off the line. And I thought that in the second half, there were times where Georgetown did that very well, and that forced Marquette into dribbling into spots that obviously they didn't feel comfortable shooting in. So, yes, you could say, oh, that was a wide open shot that he missed, but you ran him off his spot yep. to a mm-hmm. spot that he is not as accurate. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me, too. So I have a question. This is the first time Georgetown's won a Big East tournament game since 2016. It's the first time Patrick Ewing's won a game as a coach, which I've already said. Hopefully I can stop saying that stat since it will be irrelevant. John, I know this is near and dear to your heart. Marcus and I have been at the last couple of Big East tournaments. Why did we get all that sweater game footage? Is that like just, is that just normal standard Georgetown's in the Big East tournament? Did they forget that while it was the eight, nine game, St. John's was not the opponent. 
Um, because that's probably the only move that, that Fox knows, especially when Patrick <laughs> Ewing is coaching in the garden. I can tell you, look, not that we're, look, we're, 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 our fingers are crossed. We're knocking on wood. If somehow Georgetown wins tomorrow and happens to play St. John's in the semifinals, I am watching that game with my head in a fish tank. I will not be able to, I, I will not be able to compose myself having to watch all that. I don't know. I guess it's just the stand. It, it'll be nice. I mean, look, there's a lot of really more recent, you know, I think if I'm FS1, I say, hey, let's get that footage of, like you just said, Georgetown beat Pitt. Who was on that team? Patrick Ewing Jr. Who's the coach? Patrick Ewing. There, there is more recent footage to have. I mean, look, I was alive when that game was played. I was too young to be paying attention to it. Okay. And Tim Brando, I thought going in saying, Hey, everybody remembers where they were on this date in February, blah, 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 1985. No, Tim, that's a long time ago, dude. Like, I just, I don't know. It's a great win. I just, the FS1 production, I don't know. I just, I'm just so tired of the sweater game. Well, maybe it was one of you two who pointed this out, but someone pointed out on um, on Twitter earlier in the week that Fox or someone was using a promotion of a team that's not even in the Big East anymore for their I Big did. East tournament coverage. I did. It was yeah. you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They showed highlights of the 2010 West Virginia win over Georgetown. And it's like, look, it doesn't have to be a Georgetown win that you're highlighting, but maybe focus on a team that's currently in the league. Well, the thing that bothered me about it, not that they used the, a game Georgetown lost, and I was at that game and it was painful and all that stuff. It's a good thing. Same, same, but like, same. But like, UConn, like, and Kemba Walker is just sitting there in literally the next Big East tournament. They just came back to the conference. Like, you can't use Kemba Walker highlights? Come on. <laughs> and yeah. by the way, be, be careful with your 1985 St. John's Georgetown references because I, I remember that game as clear as day, which just oh. tells you how old I am. You're, you're just <laughs> a little bit older than me. It's, it's not that much. I, don't, I can't remember, but whatever. Whatever. There, I just I just think it's it's just a little bit too much. John, all summer long, or I don't know what month it was, do you remember what I just kept focusing on as my goal for the season? Friday night at the Big East Tournament. Yes, Friday night at the, the – Georgetown is now 40 minutes away from Friday night at the Big East Tournament. Before the season started, I said, you know what, they're going to be picked 11th. And you know what, guys? I'll take that. If you tell me they're going to be 11th, but they make it to Friday, because I, I didn't think that they could get much higher than, you know, the 8, 9, 10 sort of area. But I think real progress can be made with a couple wins in this tournament. I still think that that's accurate. I think it's a big deal. Georgetown has a chance against a wounded Villanova, which is still going to be a formidable opponent in Villanova. What do we think about that? Do we think there is a legitimate chance Georgetown wins tomorrow? I do. Yeah. I do. Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, I think it all depends on how they play because they played this way that they played today in spurts. I don't think they beat Villanova. Uh, Wahab still needs to get better throwing out of double teams, recognizing double teams. Uh, you can't have guys hunting shots as as much as they hunted shots today, um, and expect to win another game with such a short turnaround. So there are certainly some things to be cleaned up in less than twenty four hours. Yeah, it's sort of, I guess, if this, this game, I mean, in the, the, the advanced metrics, we'll say this game was probably a coin flip today in terms of, you know, power rankings and stuff. 
So if today was a coin flip, tomorrow kind of feels like a, a weird, like haunted lottery machine. Like I legitimately have no idea what to expect from Villanova tomorrow. I actually really don't have any idea what to expect from Georgetown tomorrow. I agree with Marcus that uh, the way they played today uh, will not get it done. Um, it's, it's shot selection, largely in a lot of cases, not very good. They did some things well in the effort levels there, but I don't know what you're going to get from Georgetown tomorrow. Hopefully they shoot better. I have no idea what you're going to get from Villanova. And I watched a decent chunk of the Villanova-Providence game last weekend, and my gosh, that was ugly. So I don't know. I mean, Jay Wright's had, you know, almost a full – about five days now to figure out what he's going to do without his starting backcourt. I'm sure they'll they'll figure something out. But, yeah, it's, they don't have a huge deep rotation. I mean, it's going to be a challenge. So I, I really have no idea what to expect tomorrow. And that's really sort of – that's why you needed to win today's game because you win the coin flip game and then – it, it, not that you're playing with house money, but it, it, it's completely random what's going to happen tomorrow. Who knows? This is not a normal eight versus one situation. So Ken Palm had Colin Gillespie listed as the MVP of the first meeting, and I totally agree. Uh, Georgetown was up big in that game. They ended up losing big. It was a pretty big swing. They went from up 18 to losing by 13, I want to say. So he was just too hard to guard and you never want to have anyone injured. You know, last pot I talked about it with NY, just, we all know Georgetown followers all know what it was like when, you know, we're thinking sweet 16 at least. And Chris Wright gets hurt. You know, I think Villanova was thinking probably elite eight, you know, I mean, they had legitimate aspirations and then anything after that, who knows? And, and then to lose another player. I mean, obviously Jay Wright can hit the, you know, break glass in case and has an, another Archer Dianacono that he can just pull on the court, which is just awesome and crazy and weird at the same time. But I think they're not related, but I think that if you can take something out of this game, this was Georgetown held Marquette to 49 points, which is the fewest points they've given up in any Big East game. So my point here is that Georgetown's a much better offensive team. Usually they need the games to be higher scoring. And they ha- they kind of had a dud offensively today. You know, I don't know. I know Nolan was tweeting about that the rims are tighter in Madison Square Garden than they are at McDonough, which is where they basically played their entire season based on the three games they lost um, out to COVID. Well, they, they lost four, but three of them were on the road, so they played a lot of home games. But, you know, they threw up a clunker, four for 19. You know, they shot under 40% for the game. I would expect them to be a much better offensive team and if they can continue the effort i mean for patrick Ewing to kind of sing the praises of chudier on a day where he goes one for 11 he goes one for seven from deep he gets to the free throw line five times he misses three of those but you know he he's just out there causing stuff uh dante harris had five steals even though he was two for ten donald carey had three steals they're actually causing turnovers i just think that if they can play with the same effort and improve offensively i think they've got a great shot to be the first 8-9 team to advance to the quarters since uh, Seton Hall did it in 2014 when they knocked off Villanova. I thought also uh, one of the things that Georgetown did do well was, and I didn't realize until after the game, that they only committed uh, 10 fouls the entire game. Now, maybe some of that was Marquette not being um, as aggressive, but I would expect for Villanova to try to drive the ball in, uh, whether this is there or not to try to get to the free throw line more, especially with them sort of being a wounded duck. They need those free points or at least those free point opportunities. So again, defensively, Georgetown um, will have to bring that effort again, and they're going to have to stand from their guys. And like I said, run the right guys off 
but definitely keep Villanova off of the free throw line, especially how their roster looks right now. And by the way, I want to point this out just because I pointed it out on Twitter. Donald Curry had a uh, still early in the game where he actually used the correct arm and hand in the passing lane. Every coach alive was probably standing up cheering with a tear in their eye because we tell kids that all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I will say that the defensive efforts today and, like, how, how they defended, and it, that, that, that'll, that'll help tomorrow. Um, I, I'm really curious how Villanova's going to attack this. I mean, Gillespie was fairly crucial in the first game. Um, yeah. Jermaine Samuels is still around. But, yeah, I don't know how Villanova's – they're very good at being versatile and exploiting mismatches, but there's just some stuff they're not going to be able to do from the backcourt. I'm actually curious who's going to play point for them, if it's going to be – they're going to – run a lot of Archie Diakono if they're going to run Robinson Earl out there or what. But, yeah, I mean, I, what, what, would, what would a Georgetown victory over Villanova look like tomorrow? Is it going to look like a lower-scoring game like you saw today? Are we going to try to outrun them? Is it just going to be a game where Villanova just doesn't have it or that we get hot? What's it going to look like? I think you have to try and outrun them because even at full strength, Villanova is more than happy to slow the game down right? So they're going to be even more inclined to do that. Now, as we would have expected, you know, Ewing shortened his bench, only seven guys got in, right? Blair and Ego FA. I don't expect that to change. I don't think we're going to see our normal like four or five minutes from Sibley. We're not going to see anybody else. So probably not even appointed saying their names. Um, I don't think you want to get into what Jay Billis would call a rock fight with this current Villanova team, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I that know. makes sense I, to me. Because, go ahead. Yeah. No, that makes sense to me because I think if you do get into a slower down game, you're just keeping Villanova around. And if you keep them around, they will find a way to win, whether they're the wounded duck or not. For me, Georgetown has to make this an up and down game. They have to have Villanova have guys do things that they're not used to doing in that number to make up for the guys who aren't there. Furthermore, Georgetown can only be who they are at this point. And I don't think too many of us trust them. If they want to make this a tactical, slow down execution type of game. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. This, this game wasn't 64, 49 because Georgetown was trying to slow it down. I mean, Ewing was trying to slow it down a little bit at the end of the game to run clocks, but yeah, it wasn't low scoring because we were trying to make it that way. It's because everybody shot like butt. I want to point out that Georgetown ended the game on a 64 to 45 run once Blair checked in. <laughs> are, are we still cool with, with, with whatever's happening? I mean, it's not going to change. I really, so post game, Marcus was on there. In the Big East, you know, usually the locker rooms are open. It's, it's like one of the best parts. You get all these different, you know, perks to go up there and all that stuff. But I wanted to ask Javon. They only, they only brought out Cutis, which was fine. He had a huge game. Normally, you'd get a, like probably two or three guys at the podium, and then the locker room's open. You got to kind of make your decision. Do I want to go in the locker room or do I, because, you know, or get these quotes? Usually, it's better to go in the locker room because the quotes that are on the podium are going to be available to literally anybody if you know how to figure out the internet, you know? So, one of the things I wanted to ask Javon is, hey, have you settled into this role off the bench? Are you cool with this? Like, do you like this? And I'm sure he would give a very standard answer, but. I think it's worth mentioning that there is this weird thing going on with Javon Blair and Javon did join today. Um, it was close because you never knew if they're going to keep playing. He had two threes today 
and he joined uh, DSR and Jonathan Wallace as the three players in Hawaii history with at least 200 made three-pointers. So congratulations to Javon. But, you know, when the game was still 4-4, it's like, well, well, at one point, I felt Marquette's playing so bad right now, they should be up more. But then on the other hand, I was like, well, hey, Georgetown's not losing 10 nothing, so that's really good. <laughs> I was yeah. just sitting on the edge of my seat saying, what, you know, what will Pickett's next shot be after that <laughs> running hook shot, whatever that was? I was like, you cannot top that. It was sometimes I, it was <laughs> sometimes Jamarco gets it in his head. He's going to try to score a certain way in a game, and he is going to try and try and try. Man, he had it in his head. Today is the day I drive to the I drive to the basket. And, well, the results were interesting. Um, well, I'm not going to lie. I liked him. I liked him opening up the game, shooting a three, because I don't like it when they yeah. just sort of force Wahab. But John, I haven't had you on since Blair's done whatever he's done. Mm-hmm. What What are your thoughts on this? I, I really don't have any because I don't have any information or insight into what caused it. So, but just um, sort of like the idea that like this is happening. <laughs> I guess just sort of really rise at it. I guess I don't know. I, I'm trying to envision in my mind what the transgression would have been because I don't think you can hide it purely behind coach's decision. Like it's not a strategic thing at this point because you help the guy out of a whole road trip. Exactly. So, yeah. So something happened, and I don't really think it's load management because she would have put him back in the lineup. So I, I, I don't know. Um, I, it, it's hard for me to say anything because, I, again, I have no insight into right. what goes on behind the scenes, and this program is famously opaque. So I, does it really make – do you think it really makes a difference? I know they, they had a kind of a clunker opening to the UConn game. That's, that's a massive understatement. But I, I don't know that it makes a ton of difference. You still get minutes. So – I guess yeah, I was I just because, like I said, message board legend. I guess I was just more looking well, for just the idea that, without even trying to guess what it was, there's really no point in that. It'll it'll be on dog talk at some point, but just the well, idea that this is happening to Georgetown, and you know, obviously it's been okay because they're three and one since it's happened. Um, yeah. You know, but just the idea, like, oh my god, what the hell? <laughs> well, maybe maybe one thing that exacerbates it a little is that since Blair's gone to the bench, uh, Carey hasn't played particularly great. Um, yeah, so you're, yeah. you're losing a little bit there. But, like, I mean, Japan's still getting the minutes. So I don't know if it's, it's the biggest deal in the world. Okay. I just kind of wanted to wanted to get your feel for that. Marcus, I don't think you've been on, and you might not actually know about this game. So I'm going to let John explain the rules. Can you please explain to him your Big East coaching roulette? Oh yeah, no, um, yeah. I, I, I brought I brought that up on Twitter today at halftime, and I said, "Guess, guess which Big East team prompted me to come up with this?" Yeah, um, it's it's the thought experiment where you take every Big East fan base and you ask them, "Would you trade your coaching staff right now for a blind draw from any of the other ten coaching staffs in the Big East?" And it's basically just a way to take a temperature of, "Do you think you're?" coaching staff as a replacement level Big East coaching staff or how much you're willing to risk it. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I came up with that watching Marquette one day because I know Marquette fans are not exactly the most pleased in the world with, with Lojo right now. But, yeah, I mean, it's, that wasn't a great look for your last game of the season. So, no, I, so no, I had lost. I know one of those games was a game against North Carolina. It was non-conference. I've lost on the fact that Marquette was four out of five coming into this, and they were still the nine seed. Yeah. Well, they had multiple losing streaks. So let me go real quick. So Buzz Williams left. 
in 2014. All Buzz had done when he was there was make the tournament every year except for one. So he went to five out of six. He went to two Switch 16s and an Elite Eight. Okay. So Wojciechowski's been in charge since 2015. He's been to two tournaments. We think he probably would have made the tournament last year. They were a bubble team. Uh, Ken Palm has them as a nine seed. Okay. He hasn't won a tournament game. He had whatever the hell happened with the Housers happen. Okay. Where they went last year from being top five right after the season to being, I think, maybe like top 25. Um, he's still recruiting pretty well. You know, Dawson Garcia, uh, um, I think he was a McDonald's All-American. He's definitely a five-star. You know, they get guys, you know, the guy they got out of Baltimore, Greg Greg Lewis. I'm sorry, Justin Lewis. That's obviously a good recruit. So he's done stuff. Marcus, if you were a Marquette fan, would you take John's offer of, you know, getting any other coaching staff, or would you want to keep your hand? I would probably at this point um... – I would roll the dice and yeah. try to get another coaching staff. Um, I think we've seen enough to know what we're getting out of the current administration. And I don't think that that's good enough. That's going to be a consistent top half of the Big East uh, situation. And I'm sure because you mentioned Buzz Williams, that the expectation from the fan base, whether it's realistic or not realistic, that's a different discussion is, you know, you should be in that top five, top six in the Big East. You certainly should not be where they were uh, this season. So, Bobby, would you make the the trade if you were a Marquette fan? I would because, well, is this before or after DePaul gets rid of Lato? It's it's right now. Okay, okay. We're us in the middle of the second game of the Big East tournament. Um, (laughs) Dave Latow remains until tonight, for all we know. Who knows? Yes. So, you make the call. I mean, so you could get Villanova, which is obviously that's that's awesome. And then, you know, Creighton, Connecticut, Seton Hall, Providence. You know, there's a lot of schools in there that kind of give you at least maybe even St. John's at this point, that kind of give you at least what you have. I mean, that, that's the problem with the Big East, right? Like since they've reconfigured because of football. You know, Villanova's won two national championships, which is awesome. That's great, right? But guess what? No one's really done anything in the Big East tournament. Chris Mack had Xavier in a pretty good spot. Uh, the one year they actually made a, a run in March, they were, I want to say they were an 11 seed. It was the year that they weren't supposed to do anything. They actually they actually did something. So, you know, Willard hasn't really done anything in the tournament. Uh, McDermott hasn't really done anything in the tournament. Cooley hasn't really done anything in the tournament. You, you know, so they're... I mean, after Jay Wright, it's kind of just a lot of guys. We just haven't seen enough from this group, right? I mean, that's that's in the eye of the beholder. I'm asking you if you'd make the change, make the switch with Wojo. Well, okay. I'm, I guess I'm just I'm just talking my way through it with you guys listening Ooh. and the millions and millions of Kente Corner listeners out there as well. I think I would do it because it's it's unlikely to get much worse, and I don't think it's going to get much better with him. So I would I I would do it. So while Bobby was talking before, I, I pulled up a random number generator. So I have randomly chosen the coaching staff you would receive. So Marcus, you said you would make the change? Yes, I would. You have received one of the coaching staffs playing right now. You have received Travis Steele. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's and, not and that Bobby, much worse. 
Bobby, Bobby, you said you said you would make the change too. Yeah, could I get? You have received Greg McDermott. Oh uh, well, bring, you know, bring, bring your notes app. My, <laughs> I mean, my, my it's hard right now for me to to me to to deal with Greg McDermott based on what's going on off the court. Um, I think basketball wise, purely, I've made a slight upgrade. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's all. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't think we're going to dedicate a pod to Greg McDermott's problems no. off the court, and he has a bunch of them. But I think basketball wise, and I'm not trying to make light of the situation, basketball wise, it's probably, I'm getting a slight edge there. I think Marcus might have a slight step back. Maybe. Maybe he's uh, up 11 right now. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I would take, and it, it, it might be slight, but I would, I definitely would take still first but i would definitely take mcdermott when you talk about the on the court stuff i love what he runs um i love the ball movement i love the spacing and you get the right kids to go to marquette and you run that and you can win up there you can win there with that 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 offense is in 2021 that offense is is pretty is there anything we're missing Besides Georgetown's biggest game in forever. I want to just tell you guys, obviously, I followed Georgetown my entire paying attention to sports part of my life, which happens, I guess, in my household around second, third grade. Okay. And I've been covering the team for 10 years. This is probably like today in prep, like when the game, even the game, the game came on, I rushed down from my office to go down to my basement. Um, I actually had a little bit of, a little bit of juice today, a little bit of buzz, like first time all season. Now, I don't know if that's because we haven't been going to the games or, you know, you know, it's just, it's been a different season, obviously. But for me, man, you put on those lights, I turn on the TV. I was like, this is, this is for real. This is a for real game. So today was a for real game. And now I know it's quarterfinals. I know it's Georgetown. They should have much higher aspirations than the quarterfinals, but holy crap. They're playing another game. They're playing two games in a row with a legitimate chance to go to Friday. That's a big deal, right? Am I the only one that felt that way? Sure. I mean, it's <laughs> there's there's something. No, I mean, there's there there is something cool about conference tournaments, and the Big East tournament is just, I my opinion, the best of them. So yeah, it's nice to and look, it's, it's a single elimination format. Look, we've been in the tournament in a while, but this is a tournament. It counts. Um, I think because I, I've, I've stressed on when I've come on the podcast all year about the, just the randomness of a COVID season. Um, you never know what you're going to get tomorrow against a team that's going to be struggling through some injuries. And I, I don't think our performance was overall that great offensively. In fact, it was terrible offensively at times. Um, but that's not a predictor of what's going to happen tomorrow. Who the heck knows? I thought it was uh, a little bit of a buzz simply because you felt like there was a chance that this was going to be competitive and that they could win. And it wasn't one of those games where you go into like, eh, they'll probably find a way to lose. And that really wasn't the feeling today. So, you know, for me, I came downstairs, had some Chinese food, and sat down and and literally enjoyed the game. Now, I don't know if that means I have to have (laughs) Chinese food tomorrow at noon. I'm not going to promise you that. But that was enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I have to completely change my day around. I'm going to have to work 
a lot tonight. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was not expecting there to be something in the middle of my day that I'm going to try and make every effort in the world to pay attention to. Speaking of pay attention, I'm not paying attention. So Austin Freeman has apparently tweeted in, this is live on tape delay, Kente Corner, the Chris Like show coming back to DC. He a Gonzaga dude, let me chill, but he a Hoya now. I'm hype again. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna lead off my my intro making a joke about the the Instagram account that put that rumor out yesterday. So but thanks Austin for fitting Chris likes in. Um, <laughs> do any of you do either of you have any any spur of the moment Chris likes takes? I'm in favor of him. I really I, I really enjoy his game. Um uh yeah, sure. Marcus? Nothing from me, buddy. Really? We're here, working our, our WCAC sources here, though. <laughs> here's my that? thing. I think Marcus is going to agree with me. We talk enough on and offline. I think that you're Patrick Ewing. You're in – no one thinks he's under any pressure to produce. Like, right? You know, we don't think he's on the hot seat because he, you know, didn't win enough games, all that kind of stuff, right? So you have every opportunity to build a program. And to keep relying on grad transfers. Now, I'll say this. If Chris Likes somehow opens up some portal of D.C. kids, that's a big deal. Okay? I'm not denying that. But the idea of just continuing to bring in grad transfers, I just think that that's not the way to build the program. I wrote the other day, and I think one of the previews that – or no, I think it's in something I haven't I haven't posted yet – that you build your program by, if you get a grad transfer, it's to fill a specific need on a team that's trying to go from you know good – to great or something along those lines, you know, like you need X, like you're like, you're already ready to go, but you need X. I don't know if next year's team for as excited as everyone is about the freshmen and they should be, I'm not sure that they're in that position. Is that kind of where you're thinking Marcus? Yeah. And I, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And I don't like the whole continuously filling in with grad transfers. I, I just don't think that, one, you're in that position, but also I don't know about the fit. So, again, you want your guys to develop. We keep talking about these recruiting classes, especially the one coming in. You just can't keep putting people in front of it, especially at that position. So, for me, it's like if I brought in a grad quarterback, grad transfer quarterback every year, I mean, when do I start developing something that's kind of the identity of my program. And I've asked this question now for about a year. When you think of Georgetown basketball, that's modern Georgetown basketball, not the glory days, what is the identity of this program? And it's hard for me to answer. Rebounding so, and moving. Because... It's rebounding and moving. <laughs> Loud salsa <laughs> music. But for me, I think to myself, what you just said, Bobby, which is you're not being forced out. You're not being pressured to do A, B, C, D, and E. That's the perfect time to say, hey, I'm going to bring in this type of kid to play this type of style, and I'm going to build that style and that sort of culture, one of the most overused words, that, you know, a culture that's going to be reflective of me. Whereas some coaches go into a situation where, there are expectations the second you step your foot on that campus, and they don't necessarily get that luxury to do that. And so I'm a little bit disappointed that I haven't seen um, Ewing try and do that. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll track we'll track that rumor down on tomorrow's episode. Apparently, 
Um, so before, before, we, before we get out of here, I, we would be remiss if we didn't mention one particular play oh boy. in this game. Is it, is um, it the one that I videoed my TV and tweeted? I, I don't know. I, I, was, I was only intermittently following Twitter during the game. But can we talk about how we apparently ran a, a lob play from Blair to Tim Igoefe on oh. purpose and yeah. it succeeded? Like, we did one that I think was accidental. But we definitely did one that succeeded. I don't know if it was Brando or Rafter that likened it to a play that Creighton runs, and I love that particular play that Creighton runs. But yeah, holy crap, that was out of nowhere. The first one that you were talking about was I actually went to Stat Broadcast to see if they credited Blair with an assist because Blair absolutely shot it, but it looked like an alley oop. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the one they ran was incredible. No, what I tweeted during the game was. Belay completely airmailed a three-pointer, and, and then Dante Harris saves the ball, gets it right back to Belay in the exact same spot. He just drained it. Yep. That, to me, I think defines, basically, he's always, <laughs> Belay is always, you know, in shooting range. He's always in the gym, and he's he's always going to do a heat check. Which... Live your life live, live, live your life with the confidence of Chudier Belay contemplating whether to pull up the three. You have to. I recommend yeah. it. I recommend yeah. it. Well, guys, I want to thank you so much for coming on uh, Florida Hoya on Twitter. Oh, no, I didn't write it down. It's at MTC with Mook. Did I nail it? Yes, it is. Yes, yes. it is. <laughs> yes. And we will see who's back. I'm going to see if these guys will come back tomorrow. If not, I will try and scrounge up somebody. Only the best get on Kente Corner. So when I say somebody, <laughs> I mean from the list of available somebodies. It's, you know, it's got to be at a certain level. Anyway, I want to thank everyone for listening. If you found it, obviously, that's great. Subscribe, rate, and listen. Tweet me, Bobby Bancroft. Let me know what we're missing. Let me know what Marcus and John are missing as well, which I'm sure is nothing. Tomorrow, George Channel will be possibly on to the Big East Tournament semifinals for the first time since 2015. Until then, see ya.